Hello and welcome to Health. Let's chill out and get real. My name is Lara Jezef and I will be your host. Just letting you know, guys, that this episode is a Facebook Live episode. So that's the reason why I'm chatting to other people and asking for engagement, just so not to confuse you. <laughs> Enjoy. See what happens. You are live. Hello. We are live. If anyone's here on the uh, watching, please comment. Let us know that you are actually live and watching and you can hear us. And throw in some hearts, some thumbs ups. That would be appreciated. Um, my name is Lara Jezef. I work as a lifestyle coach and I specialize with working with mums who I want to help them feel better, move better and look better. And I have brought in a special guest with me. Um, we've been speaking for the last couple of weeks and I love Anne's passion when it comes to children's behavior. And I was chatting to her about Monty, my son and tantrums and sleep and all of this good stuff. And I was just mind blown with what she was telling me. And I was like, I get it. I understand this now. Um, so I needed to bring her on to share with all of my parents and mum friends. Um, just so people know, there is a 10 second delay on the Facebook through this software. So if you ask questions, I will make sure that if we can't answer them live, we're going to get them answered on the replay or we do have Ask Anne. She goes live every Wednesday night and I'll share the link to her page too. Um, this We're going to aim for 45 minutes, but we'll see what happens. Uh, there's lots to cover. We've had lots of questions come through for Anne, which doesn't surprise me <laughs> of the topic, tantrums, toddler beds and... Um, uh, Toilet training. <laughs> yeah, yeah, toilet training. So let me introduce you, Anne. It's Anne Dobson. She's an experienced teacher and behavior management coach who has worked with children and families for over 20 years, giving practical tips and, in my opinion, no bullshit advice on how to understand and manage children's behavior. Uh, welcome, Anne. Thank you, Lara. It is such a pleasure to be joining you tonight. And hello to everyone who's joining us. I'm really looking forward to hearing your questions. I love answering people's questions. It's so much fun. Brilliant. I'm excited. We're going to start straight off because we've had so many questions about tantrums. Um, now, when I said that uh, my son had tantrums, because I saw you posted through a comment about what had happened before the tantrum and also you made a comment about um, their their behavior um, so when I said you, you know you get it when you've got these toddlers who are just screaming and this was in a, um, a shopping mall out in public and you're just what the hell I don't know what to do with this situation and <laughs> And one of lots of mums have commented about this and saying, OK, I've actually like I've got to a point where I've had to pin them down and push them, like tie them into the pram and just get out of the situation mm -hmm. so I can calm down and worrying that everyone's staring at you. And um, I loved what you said about that. So if you can share with everyone what you shared with me how to yeah. handle that sort of tantrum. 
Yeah, and look, once the tantrum started, um, it's a bit like putting out a fire. Good luck with that. It takes a lot of effort and a lot of huffing and puffing and a bit of damage afterwards. Um, yeah. But behaviour doesn't happen in isolation. So there's a whole lot of things that will build up to that tantrum. I've got a friend of mine who's an equestrian. So she rides horses and she understands horses. And she says it takes a lot to get to a buck. And so a horse just doesn't buck. Um, there will be all these little markers. So you might have a situation where your child is tired. Uh, they might not have slept well the night before. Um, you might be tired. Isn't that normal with parents? And you're stressed and kids, particularly toddlers, will pick up on it really quickly. And um, as Andrew Fuller, who's a clinical psychologist, Australian clinical psychologist, says, you will never be as smart again in your life as you are when you are three because your synapses are firing. So there can be a whole lot of little things that might have triggered your child and then they build up. And eventually something happens that's the straw that breaks the camel's back. You've seen people posting on, you know, Facebook going, oh, you know, they wanted a blue cup, so I gave them a blue cup and they melted down. Um, and they don't yeah. know. <laughs> like, yeah, that's, that's, it might not have been what they expected, but it's the thing that breaks the camel's back. So there's a whole lot of things that lead up to it. What time of day are you going shopping? Um, are they feeling, there's a number of things that you can't see that might be affecting them. And I use an acronym called HALTS. Are they hungry? Mm. Are they anxious or angry? Are they lonely? Um, are they tired? Uh, or are they stressed? Or are they sick? Mm. You might not see that. Um, it could be something that's happened just before. Um, and it could be just before the behaviour and it set them off. So when that happens, um, there's not a lot you can do. If you can actually look for what's happened before and you change that, you've got a better yeah. chance of changing the behaviour. One solution with the shopping centre is if you know you're going to get a meltdown, get it delivered. Yeah. <laughs> I guess sometimes you don't know that there's going to be a meltdown and you go to the same shopping centre or you go to the same kinder gym yeah. and, for example, there's another um, mum and it just suddenly changes. What resonated with me was what you said about how it's not you trying to understand why they're tantruming. It's them trying to understand their world. Yes, yeah, because it's all that's a sign that there's in the state of overwhelm. It goes back mm. to the point I said that Andrew Fuller said, there is so much information that three-year-olds or toddlers are taking in. And yeah. they a little bit like gods in the chrysalis. They are incredibly intelligent. They absorb everything, you know. You'd never have to teach them a language. They just pick it up. But yeah. they're also little people. So they want to do so much that is beyond mm. what they are capable of. So they yeah. look at what mummy can do and they go, oh, I can do that too. And then they realise they can't. Their hands aren't developed. The muscles in their hands haven't developed. Um, their language hasn't developed. Their client hasn't developed yet they had this incredible awareness and so it becomes frustrating it really does yeah oh god um, i bet yeah no wonder so, yeah what so, can you do what can you do to pre help prevent these tantrums like certain well, words that you talk about that you've mentioned before oh, and 
very often because behaviour is communication, a lot of it can, uh, tantrums can happen as a result of your miscommunication. Uh, right. You may not have communicated your expectations to your child very well. And the first step mm -hmm. in any behaviour management strategy is the way you communicate your expectations or the fact that you do communicate your expectations. How many times do you do a million things at once uh, but you're not actually telling your child what's going on and then no. you need them to do one thing but you haven't preempted them and they go, what? Um, mm -hmm. And that can be really frustrating. So if you're telling them that you want them to do something, tell them what you want them to do. Very often people say don't. Don't do this. Don't do yeah. that. People react after the event. And what you're not saying to your child is what you want them to do instead. So, for example, I had a mum, she had her daughter riding a scooter on a deck with a set of steep stairs and she's going, don't ride on the deck, don't ride on the deck. And I said, ask her to ride on the concrete below. And so she said, okay, can you ride on the concrete? And the child went down happily and mum just looked at me going. <laughs> yeah, you just like, um, it can't be that easy. It can't. is that easy. <laughs> tell them what you want them to do. Tell them the action you want to see. And start with a yeah. verb, ride the scooter here. Yeah. Yeah, and just remove don't from your vocabulary. Take don't, no, don't, and stop right out. Yeah, and no, like, don't, and stop. Okay, everyone listening, no, don't, and stop. You need to remove that from your vocabulary when you talk to a toddler. Yeah, and take can't out. Uh, can't, take, okay. Can't do this. No, you can't do that. You can say, yes, you can, when. Um, right. So, you know, uh, can I drive? Do they car? understand when? Um, well, when is an interesting... Or later or soon. No, they don't understand, um, no, they don't understand later or soon, but you get very specific with time. So you can say, mm. can I have a lolly, mum? Yes, you can, when the big hand is on the 12 and the little hand is on the 3. Uh, where is it now? Cool. So that is much more effective saying to a child when something can happen. Uh, I mean, for example, my... My son, when he was nine, said, can I have, you know, a Facebook account? Yes, you can, son, when you are 13. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so, so you obviously didn't put the time there for him when it came to the 13. No, <laughs> yeah, but it's still time, yeah. Yeah, so exactly. Um, telling kids with time and very specific mm -hmm. time can make a big difference too. I really liked when you um, mentioned about the time, like you can set it on your phone. So say I, I'm cooking in the kitchen and Monty just wants me to play with him and you're just like, no, I really need to cook right now, but I'll be with you like um, in a bit. <laughs> I'm just like, just go and play for a second and I'll come come back yeah. to you. And you're like, I get it. I know why he's getting frustrated. So you're like, what does that mean? So now I love that you said to me, use your phone and put a timer on there to say five minutes and obviously do it with something that you know you can stick to that time. Because if I pop out to the shops and James is here with Monty and I say, I'll be back in 15, I don't know if it's exact 15, but if I'm in the kitchen, I can put a five minutes on the clock. Yeah. And um, as like you said, as long as you go back to them straight away, because then they start believing that you're going to stick to your word yeah you've got to keep that promise you're building the emotional bank account that Stephen Covey talks about and the seven habits right. with people so yeah. when children are 
a lot of um, behaviours that look like attention-seeking behaviour is your child, child trying to connect with you. Um, remember that with, um, with toddlers in particular, but even, you know, as older children, as the parent, you are their world. And yeah. they need to know that you can be relied on and you're not, you know, deliberately letting them down. But, um, again, you'll never be as smart as you will be at the age of three and they remember everything. So if you say that, yes, I, they need to learn, they need to wait, uh, but yeah. also you need to show the same thing. So, for example, if you say to your child soon in a minute later, if you say, give me five minutes, here's the time, and the, the iPhone time is great because you can see the circle going around. So even if they can't tell the time, it's when the circle's finished, that's when I come and the, the bell goes off. You drop everything yep. and you keep that promise and you go with them. But the other way to reinforce that is you do the same thing for them. How often do we say to our kids, I want you to do this now? Yeah, oh, all yeah. the time. You're just like. <laughs> I want to yeah. And I've had people say, I want 100% compliance ASAP. And it's like, well, do you do that for your child? Often mm. we don't. So if you say to your child, look, I need you to do, for example, I want you to finish watching TV and I want you to go and have your bath. Very often if you say it straight away without warning, you're going to get the lip out and then they're going yeah. to cry. And um, sometimes they get this bewildered stare when they look at you or it looks like they're ignoring you. You ever notice that? Yeah. What they're doing yeah. is totally fast. Wow. They're saying uh, to me, oh, they're deliberately ignoring me. No, they are processing what you've said and they're processing it from their perspective. So that's so interesting. Yeah. So you actually need to give kids processing time. If you want them to do predictable things like going for the, you know, to have a bath, going to bed, brushing their teeth, um, having their breakfast, going out the door in the morning and things like that, there's a lot to be said for giving them um, reminders. And I use a thing called 15, 10, 5. So mm. 15 minutes before you have a transition to the next activity you say in 15 minutes time the tv goes off and you're going to have you know brush your teeth yeah. um, what time is it now if they're younger you might say when the big hand is on the nine the big hand's on the nine when it's on the 12 that's when the tv goes off yeah it's the fashion uh, using tv <laughs> as an example <laughs> but then you also then go back and say what time is it now and you know mm -hmm. it's perfectly well that it's 10 to and then they'll yeah. say, do all the big hands on the table. Oh, good, you've got 10 minutes left. So it's like, yeah, okay. And then you go back again. Oh, how, mm. what time is it now? Okay, you've got five more minutes. And what happens when the big hands on the 12 and you get them to tell you? And that's giving them time to process. The expectation is that they finish something and they're going to another transition um, at this time. Very often, behaviours and what looks like defiance and ignoring and insolence and all things happens at transitions. Yep. A lot of people don't realise. Right. Actually, during the transition, when you've asked them to stop one thing and start something else. Okay. And, engrossed, and again, if you're three, you're engrossed and someone yeah. says, it's got to stop without And then they just stare at you. Yeah, and they'll, they'll look, what or, are they Yeah. Yeah, or they have a tantrum, like because this has come up. Some um, we've had some questions about um, morning routine and nighttime routine, and how to make this 
a nicer experience because parents don't get it. They're like, this happens every night and every morning. You know the routine. Why is there always a fight? Now, that's an interesting thing that people say. They know the routine. My question is yeah. always, do they? You yeah. know. But how do you communicate that routine? Do you do it just as you're about to do it? Because kids have got mm. a million things on their mind. You can't possibly expect them to remember everything that goes on in their life because they're caught up in the moment. I can tell you, toddlers are caught up in the moment. It's um, don't ever assume that they know the routine just because you do. There is a way yeah. you can show them how the routine is. And here's one I prepared earlier. <laughs> example of, say, a morning routine. Um, now, I don't know if that's going to be in reverse or not. Oh, no, it's not. No, it's perfect, yeah. So you actually have set times when you've got a certain activity and you might notice it's in a picture. And can you do this with two-year-olds or they just start learning? Yeah, yes, you can. Yeah, yes, can. Two-year-olds are at a different stage of development and yep. it can take a lot of time for processing because they are still very much caught up in the moment. But what you do is you preempt. You put this up on display and um, you'd say, okay, you know, when the big hand is on the 12 and the little hand's on the 7, you get up. Yep. Um, and we have cereal when the big hand's on the 10. And then you go and brush your teeth when the big hand's on the 7, oh, sorry, on the 6 and all that. And it's in order. So it's actually yep. in order to read it. And, mm. and you preempt. So you don't just say that you don't just put it up on the, the fridge and hope for the best. You'd actually Expect say, them to know it. Yeah, then we're going to do this, then we're going to do that. And as you're going to the next stage, you'll say, now when it's 8 o'clock, you can have screen time. So it's a combination of doing things that you need them to do and in a particular order, but letting them know in advance. That makes a lot of sense when you're doing it in advance, preempting. Yeah. Yeah, because it's the processing time that kids need. We make such yeah. many assumptions that kids know because we do. Um, yeah. It's the same with something like, let me show you this one, um, getting dressed. There could be as many as six things involved in getting dressed. There's nine when it comes to brushing your teeth. Would you believe? And would you see this in children like seven, eight and nine as well? So a lot of oh. parents expect them to know this because it's like, just get your clothes on, get ready for school. Yeah. And then it needs you need to be 100% ready um, by this time. Think about all the complicated things that you have to do that involve lots of physical coordination in the process of getting dressed. You've got to get your feet through the holes of your underpants You've got to have the underpants on the right way and you've got yeah. to have your, the right, you know, you've got to understand left to right. Plus you've got to have the coordination of pulling your pants up. Then you've got to do it yeah. again with longer pants this time. Then you've got to put socks on and then you've got to do shoes. And then yeah. you've, got to, you've got to remember that, for example, a singlet goes over, goes on your body first and then a T-shirt and then a jumper. And if you've got a child who's... Um, for, oh, any child really, but particularly if you've got a child with an intellectual disability or a child mm -hmm. who is um, autistic and needs to see things in patterns and you just yep. say just rest, that's enormously yeah. overwhelming. And for some kids yep. that's really hard. The skills of brushing your teeth, um, 
you've got fine motor stuff and you've got to get a small piece, you've got to squeeze something, you've got to twist a cap, you've got to yeah. turn off, just turn them off. There's nine steps. So Well, it's, it's hard to even change your hand when you brush your teeth, I find. Like, so let alone then, a child trying to learn. And then there's the sensation of the toothbrush and yep. the sensation of the toothpaste. That mint mm. can be really, really strong. And for some people, it's like tasting pepper. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's an awful lot that we don't there's consider. So many. So many variables, yeah. So breaking it all down um, can can help a lot and preempting it. And, I mean, you can do that with any kind of routine. Um, yeah. Like, for example, in a morning routine, you've got certain things that will always happen in a certain order. We generally uh -huh. get up and then we get dressed. We generally eat and then we brush our teeth. Um, yeah. We generally eat, pack our bag and then we go out the door. Uh -huh. And... Um, there's an order to dressing um, and all of that. And if you lay all that out for a child, for some parents you can help your child by laying the clothes out on the bed in the order that they go on. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So um, simple things, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the other thing is also you've got to decide which of the behaviours. We'd love our children to be perfect all the time, but some things take time to learn. So if getting them dressed is the big challenge, well, that's the one that you spend more time on. Yeah, okay. You can do, you know, things like practising getting clothes on and practising getting clothes off. Yeah. I know it's weird, but to practise, you're actually reinforcing what people want. It's the same, you know, decide which one's the most um, important behaviour and that's the one you put more time into and teach, break down the skill and teach it. Breaking down the Amazing. skill will make a big difference too. I love that, breaking it down um, and just speaking to your child and explaining the steps um, and not expecting them to know just because you know. Yeah, the other um, thing I would say is use visuals. Um, yeah. We process information visually three times better than we do verbally. Mm. Uh, so, for example... Um, I can guarantee at the end of this particular video, I doubt that anyone's going to remember the first things that I said. Karen, you will remember the colour of my hair and you will remember that I wore a blue T-shirt with a scarf because that's yeah. the um, So it's the, we actually process visual information 60 times, 60,000 times faster than wow. we do anything that's verbal and verbal can be the words we say from our mouth and yeah. because it stays in our ears for 30 seconds and also verbal is any words that are written because words right. that are written are not the action they're a bunch of symbols that represent a sound okay i get people who say oh i told them and i wrote it down for them and i'm going but did you show them visually right because that will actually absorb in a person's head much, much faster. Yeah, so it's so true as well because, yeah, we get taught um, at workplaces saying that there's so many people who are very visual people. It's like, mm -hmm. yeah, so why aren't we being like that with our children? Because they're probably all very visual. Yeah, because it's easier for us to communicate verbally. Yeah. That's why it is. Talking um, about tantrums, 
once so hoping not to get into a tantrum but you read all of this stuff like how to manage a tantrum so it's either i've read stuff where you're just meant to leave them and tantrum it out i've read stuff where you're meant to just go up and squat down and say look i'm here whenever you need me um i've read some where you just pick them up and you cuddle them and it's like what's the right thing to do with a tantrum it depends on your child the most important thing that you need to do is co-regulation co-regulation before self-regulation so you model the behavior that you want to see so if you've got a child screaming and ranting and raving you getting angry or even standing over them um, because we're always standing over our children we're much bigger than them isn't going to help the situation so sitting down with them you don't even have to speak to them because if they're really heightened i guarantee you they won't hear a word um yeah i'm could talk about the polyvagal ladder and how they're moving down that because they're in a state of stress. Not because you've created it, it's because they're overwhelmed. It's too much yeah. information for them to process. So you sit yeah. down with them. So first of all, low and slow. So you get down okay. to death and you move slowly. And so if that involves sitting down on a supermarket floor, so be it. Yeah. Um, and, and just sod off everyone else and you don't have to worry what other people are thinking generally they're feeling sorry for you they're not looking at you thinking oh you are a bad mother but yeah, we just worry that that's what they think worry that what about what other people think. zero to three yeah. we did a research paper in 2017 they found 90 percent of parents felt judged by strangers um, wow. and relatives who were not the primary caregivers um, yeah. And they would try their behaviour to be more punitive to satisfy these other people. Um, when the yeah. most important person that you need to work with is your child. So yeah, yeah. calm regulation. Um, not saying calming them to calm down. You stay calm and you sit with them. If it's really difficult for you in the middle of a supermarket with trolleys everywhere, then yeah, pick them up and get them out if you can. Yes, they're going to kick and scream. It's not going to be pretty. Um, yeah. But the next time you can go, okay, if we need to shop, plan it better. Forward planning is going to make all the difference. And the fact that you can yeah. have yeah. Your, your shopping delivered, that can make a big difference as well. I saw yeah. a mother do this really well only the other day. Now, she had a child who was probably about eight and saw some okay. toys that she um, loved and they were pink and they were sparkly and typical girl stuff. Um, <laughs> Mum, she was on the line um and the girl was hanging on to these toys and she said we talked about this and yes we will take some photos we will talk about them to grandma or maybe santa can have them but for now you will have to leave them on the shelf and mm. she rubbed them up and she um she walked away and turned away from her mother and her mother yeah. said this is what we expect and she let other people go past her in the line and she stayed with her daughter and she spoke calmly and slowly and she got down to her level and said, I know that you like them, that's lovely, but we're going to get grandma to buy them, we're going to show a photo and we're going to send it to Santa. For now, you're going yeah. to put it on the shelf. She was brilliant because she said exactly what oh, she right. And she said, yeah, I know what you want. However, this is what we're going to do instead. And it took yeah. about five minutes. There was no tantrum, yeah. no screaming. There was no, you will do as I say. Mum was calm, yeah. mum was patient, and the objective was achieved. Eventually the child put, took, took a photo with the phone and then put it on the shelf. 
and off she went. Off she went. Uh, Lovely. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. I felt like applauding. <laughs> it sounds like the whole thing with tantrums is to get down to their level, explain what you want them to do and remove don'ts um, and be more visual with things and don't set expectations thinking that they do know routines that they've done regularly. Yeah, a lot of our frustrations with kids come from an expectation gap. We assume that they are able to do things that they're yeah. not doing ready for. You know, I've asked, I've had people say to their two-year-old, use your words. It's like, haven't got What does that right. mean? Yeah. Um, and <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Yeah, tell me what's, you know, tell me what's worrying you. Well, that might work yeah. if your child is 10, but certainly mm. not when they're three. Um, sometimes yeah. the best thing to do is actually not say anything. Um, the fewer words you use, the better. So three to five words um, and start with the verb, yep. the action you want to see. So put that on the shelf. Mm. Um, walk to me, hold my hand sit with me um, all of those yeah. things tell the child exactly the action you want them to do and where you want them to do it and how um, no point in going over the three to five words because that's all the working memory will be able to process okay lovely i i think we covered um brooke's question because she wanted to know how to handle tantrums especially um, if something's non-negotiable and they just need to get done like wiping their nose leaving the house on time i think you explained that very well in just stop rushing around and setting expectations that you think that they know um and just slowly let yeah. them know each stage yeah. um i saw brooke's question and it was a succession of events and the other thing is yeah. also if you're um, battling every little step along the way, what you do is you lead to escalating stress. Right. So decide who you're going to die on. Um, and also decide which behaviour is the most important, and that's a hard thing to yeah. do. But the way you decide is which is the most important for their safety. Yeah. Um, if you've got to get out the door at a certain time, you need to make sure that they know well in advance and allow more time. And sometimes you're not going to get out on time. And is that going to matter? Um, yeah. No contingency plan. If you want them to wipe their nose, show them how you do it and then mm. hand them a tissue and say, show me. And then if they're not yeah. having this, then you can say, let me help you. Yes, it takes longer. But that yeah. model will teach a child. I remember someone was saying to me, you know, how do I get my child to learn how to wipe their bottom? And I said, have they ever seen you do it? And yeah. went, oh, no. And I said, well, how do you expect them to know? don't know what it looks like? Um, Amazing. So be out the door when you're a parent. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. They've seen you wee, they've seen you poo, they need to see it all, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> um, that's our, I've loved everything about these tantrum questions. Um, we're gonna move on to toilet training, just because we touched on that a little bit. We can end, have that talking about poos and things. Um, what I loved you say to me was, why do we have these expectations that you should be toilet trained by two? Because people are saying to me, 
why is is Monty toilet trained yet? And we, we have a few mums who have toilet trained their children already who are younger than two. So then you feel like your child is delayed in some way because society has told you. And and in-laws and, and like my, you know, my mother and that generation have said to me, you know, they, they should be toilet trained by two. But you said to me, it doesn't matter until they're four. And I'm like, whoa, I've got time. Ages, um, you know, toilet training. I would often say, define what stage of toilet training. There are so yeah. many stages. There's the bladder training. There's the bowel training. There's the night bladder training. There's mm -hmm. sitting on the toilet, going from the potty to the toilet. A lot of children that are considered to be toilet trained by the age of two yeah. are not. They are what uh, Dr. Christopher Green defines, and he's a well-known Australian child paediatrician who wrote yeah. toddler timing. It's called toilet timing. Okay. I'll write that um, in the notes for anyone. Yeah, toddler timing, Christopher Green, uh, 30 years of publication. Okay. I used it with my child, and I still refer okay. to it everywhere. Um, toilet timing. So... Generally, um, what you can find is as soon as a child has had something to eat um, up until the age of two, generally what happens is they will um, urinate and defecate. And there's no control over that. There's no awareness of that. It is a bodily function. And so people will put their child on the, on the pot um, and then something is generally produced. And therefore, people declare that they're toilet trained. They're not. They're toilet timed. Children will not have any awareness of what's going on in their bladder or their bowel. They won't start to understand what's going on until at least 18 months. That's the start. And then it will actually take another 18 months at least before they can control that. So they've got to recognise it first. Wow. And they've got to be able to control it. And there's a lot to control. And the other thing is the timing. So in the first stages of um, when they're becoming aware that they're, um, they can, you know, their bladder's full, uh, there's, a five, there's five seconds between the awareness and being able to go. So, okay. um, you know, it is frustrating when you say to your child, go to the toilet and they go, I can't, because they're not aware of it, yep. they don't understand it. Um, and then they will then tell you when they feel it and there's five seconds. And then people, parents get frustrated because it's like, I told you, you should know. An adult knows, but a toddler simply yeah. does not. Um, it's like, it's, okay, a toddler might be able to walk, but they certainly can't run a marathon. So it's the same. There's a mm. lot of complexity with toilet training. There's the whole issue of knowing to sit on a, on a toilet or a pot. Um, yeah. There's children that develop fear of the toilet because they've been put on a toilet too soon and a lot of pressure put on them. How long do you put My... them on? <laughs> My uncle was afraid of the toilet because he wouldn't go on a toilet. My mum would tell me this story that he would poo in a corner of a room and put the poo behind the radiator because he didn't want mum to see, mm. but he was scared of being on the toilet. Yeah, and a lot of children are. Um, it's a real thing. Um, mm. It's a cavernous bowl with lots of water. Yeah. You're frightened of the sound of flushing water. Um, yeah. There's all that. There's actually a lot of research about fear of toilets and a lot of it's connected to the fact that they've been pushed on and they have to be produce something. Um, right. Whereas, you know, 
it's a natural thing. If it happens, it happens. You know, keeping a kid yeah. on for maybe one or two minutes and nothing happens, take it off again. Um, yeah. And the other thing is, um, this all kind of, the history behind it is fascinating. The history yeah. has come from the 1900s where there was a lot of fascination with people's bowel movements. And the, the sort of nappies and the clothes that we put children in, part of the problem we've got with toilet training is the way we dress our children. Uh, we mm. put them in trousers. A um, hundred years ago, they were still having little boys in dresses because it was easier to take a nappy off. Nappies um, were nothing like they are now uh, and a lot of hard work to wash. So, yes, historically, um, we're talking over 100 years ago now, sure, toilet timing would have worked because it was easier than trying to clean dirty nappies with hot soapy water when you didn't have washing machines and yeah. trying to start clothes and things like that. But this is the 21st century. We have amazing, beautiful fabric uh, nappies that we can put kids in these days and yeah. um, you know they have a lot more time that they can learn to toilet train there's a whole lot of stuff that um christopher green talks about in his toddler taming about toileting. Okay. really good sensible valid stuff don't expect okay. to be in properly toilet trained before the age of four um and the other thing is also there's going to be the issue with night um, training as well. Some kids are not yep. fully night trained until eight. Um, I remember it's... there was a child I taught who was 12. Wow. Um, and that's not any indication of flaw. It's just what it is. There's an awful lot that goes into toilet training and it takes... For a child, it starts at 18 months and it won't finish until well and truly four. So resetting your expectations, parents, and just giving it time. What could they be doing? What should they be looking out for to see when they're meant to be starting, what the signs are? Give it a go. And if it doesn't work, try it again in another month. So give it a go, sit on like um, you can yeah. buy those little plastic potties or should you put them on the toilet? No, no, start with sitting. You know, there's, um, you've got to start with the, the process of sitting and knowing that in our culture we sit when we go to the toilet. Other cultures don't. Other cultures squat. So we have to teach our children to sit on something. Yeah. Um, and then yeah. associate that. And then you can, where do you put the potty? You know, you can put it in, in front of the TV to distract them for a while. And it's like, oh, look at that. Associate. Um, sitting on the potty with producing something, but the child's not able to control it at that stage. Then move it no. into the bathroom. Get them to see what you do many times. Um, yep. Children through observation, particularly at the age of three. So, and a lot of these things that we expect children to do, we don't actually show them. I remember my husband had to yeah. show my son how to go to the loo standing up. I certainly couldn't show him. No, it's going to have to be a husband, yeah. And he was well, I think he was well and truly past four. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, so give it time. Just, I don't know about, I don't know about everyone else, but I feel like that's a release, like a relief not to put so much pressure on ourselves. Like where did that expectation come from? I think it's to come. To be like toilet the trained by two. I think it's definitely historical. Um, yeah, you know, we we don't realise how we are still influenced by practices from 100 years ago. You know, the whole thing about, you know, finish your, 
finish everything on your plate came oh yeah it's crap um the depression when the size of meals was nothing like what we eat now so the yeah. toilet would have come from toilet timing because of the inconvenience and the difficulty with washing that we simply don't have anymore so yeah. and it is a cultural thing because not every culture needs to sit to go to the toilet uh -huh. a lot of cultures squat and children can squat very very well we put children yeah. in clothes with trousers other cultures don't uh -huh. um you know some cultures let the children run around without anything in the bottom of them for the first five years of their life yeah oh how lovely i know monty would love that yeah so and why not you know and yeah. you know we put a lot of restrictions on what they should do and where they should do it and when it's so totally yeah unnecessary. and they will figure it out they do yeah they're clever little bugs yeah okay um we're going to move on to our final one of toddler beds. Another thing that seems to be like, I get told, I've got told recently, like, oh, you know, they're not sleeping very well. Put them in a toddler bed or they're old enough now. They should be in a toddler bed um, or they should be in a toddler bed by now. They're not meant to be in a cot. But then I've read other things like they say, keep them in a cot for as long as possible. So you're just like, what's the right thing to do? Where is your child comfortable when they sleep? Um, mm. Again, it's a cultural thing. I remember when I introduced my son to my neighbour next door who was Chinese, her mother came over and said to her daughter in horror, what is the child doing in its own bed? Shouldn't it be in the bed with its mother? Um, oh. So, yeah. Um, and... Again, it has to do with the buildings that we're in. You know, we now live in houses where everyone has their own bedroom. Mm. Um, we expect our children to sleep alone, yet as partners we don't. Yeah. Um, honestly, whatever works for the child and whatever is available to you. Um, I mean, it yeah. was only, um, it, you know, when again, we look at even less than 100 years ago, children were sleeping in beds together. Um so, you know, children had, uh, didn't even have one bed. They would all sleep in a bed together or they would um, share a room. So mm. I wouldn't stress about, you know, whether they're in the right bed or the wrong bed or whatever. Yeah. Where does the child sleep comfortably? If that's where yeah. the child sleeps comfortably, then let it be. So, yeah. you know, the time that you'd get them out of a, a crib and out of a cot is probably when they're too big for it or they start climbing out of it. Yeah. You know, okay. Out of it, that'll tell you. Uh, it's like okay. yeah, you're like right. We need to change this up. <laughs> yeah, in a regular bed, and then you know you might want to put a um, a bumper if you can get it. You know, so they don't um, fall out of yeah. the bed. But if they do, I yeah. can tell you what they'll wake up real quick and they'll pop back in. Yeah. Um, there's no set time that you should. Thing. And if you've got a child who needs to sleep with you because there's all that, everyone's sleeping patterns are different. Um, yeah. That's not necessarily a bad thing either. Your child's looking for connection with you. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you're finding that it's disrupting your sleep, then, yeah, we maybe need to reassess it and set expectations. Yeah. But the child should always be able to feel that they can come to you and if they need you, they can. 
I would yeah. frankly be much more interested in the bedtime routine and the connections that are made before the child goes to sleep than worrying about what type of bed they're in. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It sounds like from our live today that it, the main issues being that there's we listen too much to other people and we put pressure on ourselves and have all of these expectations which are just fictitious myths handed down from generations. And when we just focus on our child and just chilling out a little bit and not having such pressure on ourselves yeah. things will actually flow and and you don't have to do things at set times just no it'll just happen it will it absolutely will um and that happens all the stages of their life all the stages of their ages um mm. things do happen in their own time the whole thing about dummies um yeah children if they've got oral motor input and that's how they self-regulate they are kids who will need to suck on dummies for quite a long time and let it be um yeah the other thing is social interaction with peers um it won't take long if you've got a child who's going to school with a dummy before his friends say mate that's just not on <laughs> <laughs> then it all can happen won't it my brother was drinking from a, a bottle a milk bottle until he was seven and then people started saying, why you're, why are you drinking from a bottle? Are you not old enough? And he's like, I'm throwing this out. <laughs> yeah, and that's right, and they figure it out. Um, I've got um, children who've had uh, preemie babies who didn't get enough yeah. skin contact, would sleep with their parents quite a lot. And then as soon as they were teenagers, it's like, well, I'm on my own person because that's the stage. Yeah. Of they wanted their own bed. Mum and Dad didn't have to do anything. It was like, just let it be. Nice. Just let that. it be. Oh, hey, I want to... Let it be. <laughs> let it be is the, the end. I like that. Um, <laughs> there was one final thing that I wanted to end it on our live. Um, what you said to me, what, a couple of weeks ago, um, when I said, I just, I don't want to damage Monty and... I worry about that doing the wrong thing. And what you said to me was so lovely. I got a bit emotional when you said, you can't damage them, just love them, listen to them, play with them and cuddle them. Stop giving yourself such a hard time. Absolutely. Yeah. That's absolutely. what I want every parent to know. It takes significant long-term trauma that would horrify you to damage mm -hmm. a child and even children with those sort of significant traumas are still able to be undamaged because the brain is plastic. The thing that will strongly influence a child's brain development is the interaction that they have with their parents, one-on-one, face-to-face, skin-on-skin contact, reading stories, cuddling, spending time with them. It actually produces different kinds of brains it takes an awful lot to damage your child incredible effort mm. and yeah. a hell of a lot more of normal parental interaction that is the best thing for your child keep doing what you're doing you make mistakes yeah. you're not going to damage them yeah just a happy stress-free parent and then it'll just lead into the child yeah yeah i mean clear clear guidance um it doesn't mm. mean they have to be laissez-faire but there's a lot of things yeah. Won't sweat the small stuff, and you know, yeah, if you've got a child, amazing. 
behavior, you know, you're, you're having trouble understanding. Instead of going, you know, what do I need to do to stop this or how do I get mm. rid of it? Remember that behavior is communication. Ask yourself, what is my child telling me right now? What is the behavior telling me about the child? What do they need? Sometimes yep. all they need is just a cuddle and give it to them. Yeah, yeah. Oh, lovely. I love that. That's a good note to finish on. Um, and thank you so much. I've loved this. And I think we need to do another Facebook Live. There's just so many questions that are just whirring around. Um, oh, and <laughs> Anne has offered to um, answer any questions that you have if you're watching this on the replay. Um, and she does have every Wednesday evening um, ask Anne on her own Facebook page. And I'll post the link to her page and her website below so you can get in contact with her. Um, otherwise, thank you so much, Anne. Oh, thank you. It's my pleasure. And look, if you ever want to know any more about what I do, and um, I write a lot of articles and blogs, you can look at my website. Um, it's effectivebehaviormanagement.com.au, but you can find me just Google Anne Dobson EBM for Effective Behaviour Management and you'll find me there. Perfect. And we'll put all those links in for everyone too. <laughs> I love Thanks so much. It's lovely talking to you. Thanks, Anne. Thank you so much. Bye, everyone. Bye. Mm -hmm.